Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 433rd edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're coming at you on Voice America Business Channel. We're broadcasting across the world in this, our 10th year, from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California. And this is the place where technology meets entertainment. Now, we're constantly hearing about and reading about as well the 200-plus unicorn businesses and the constant obsession with who will be the next billion-dollar company. Remember, it was only probably three or four years ago we got our first billion-dollar company, and now there's over 200 of them. It's easy to forget that um, 99.9% of all U.S. businesses are very small. The U.S. alone has more than 20 million extra small businesses. And firms with fewer than 20 employees are growing faster than any other category of business. And they together employ over 50% of the private workforce. And the ranks of the self-employed are growing very rapidly. So collectively, they're a very powerful force. As we transition to a more digital, distributed and data-driven world, the future of work will be built not by the largest companies in the world, but by the smallest There are five reasons why the next decade will be shaped by extra small businesses. So let's have a chat about those. The first reason is that starting your own business is one way to create wealth. You never really create wealth by working for anybody. In America, social mobility is declining and people born into low socioeconomic status, well, they're getting more and more likely to be stuck there. In 1940, 90% of young adults earned more than their parents. Today, only 50% of adults earn more money than their parents. And as technology is increasing business efficiency, workers are being displaced, causing wage growth to decouple from productivity. So now, even though productivity is roaring ahead with the use of artificial intelligence and um, machine learning, that's not being reflected in wage growth. And the second reason why the next decade will be shaped by extra small businesses, it's because younger generations are more entrepreneurial, less and less of them want to go and work for a boss, and they're far more political, politically active, therefore they can have more say in the future. An estimated 66% of millennials 
want to start their own business. 66%, that's a huge percentage. And over 40% of the working population that's aged between 23 and 38, they're freelancing in one form or another. So that's a major change. And the third reason why the next decade will be shaped by extra small businesses is because minorities will very soon be the majority. And government policies and business policies have to adapt to that. Women are now the majority of the US workforce. And that's a big change. And minorities will be the majority in less than 20 years. So their influence will not only continue to grow in both the workplace, but also in the consumer economy. So whether you set up your online store on Etsy or Shopify, you market yourself on freelance platforms like Upwork, Drive for Uber, Deliver for DoorDash or New Crowdfund, you've more options than ever to make money on your own terms. You don't have to go work nine to five for the man. The fourth reason why the next decade will be shaped by extra small business is that automation helps entrepreneurs. And 54% of the US workforce believes that their job probably won't exist in 20 years. Now, because of that, it's the highest educated workers who stand to lose the most from automation. But they could benefit from their own businesses and outsource tasks to things like software and artificial intelligence. You know, we used to think that the people most likely to lose their jobs in the future were the people on the assembly lines, etc. That's not necessarily true. Not long ago, post-secondary degrees in business, technology or science were non-negotiable if you wanted to gain credibility, confidence and network to start a, a company. You had to have a degree. And we were thinking that, gee, you almost need a degree to get an assembly line job. Today, you can get much of the same type of content in boot camps, in coding schools, in online courses, digital degrees. It's all changed. And more significantly, if you've got a small business, you start a small business, it used to be that without big marketing and advertising budgets to compete with your bigger competitors, you don't need that anymore. It's no longer necessary because of the changes that social media ads and influencers have made on the marketing environment. And the final reason why the next decade will be shaped by extra small businesses is what success looks like today. With increasing change, uncertainty and automation, success requires thinking like an owner and not thinking like an employee. The cubicle's being replaced with the freedom to work at our own pace. We can work at our own time of choosing and we can work in the space we desire. We can work in our lounge room. We can work in the kitchen. We can work in the car today. Micro-entrepreneurship is already changing how we work 
and it will define the workforce of the next generation. Let me ask you a question. Do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? That's a bit of a misnomer, really, because you can't read it in 30 seconds. There's so much information packed into our newsletters that it probably takes you a minute to a minute and a half to read them. We've got about 1.7 million daily subscribers. Every day we tackle a different subject. We talk about advances in medicine. We talk about new apps. We talk about uh, new technology, things like Hyperloop, autonomous cars, blockchain, artificial intelligence, all of those things. And in tomorrow's newsletter, we discuss how parents of 16 to 17-year-olds were either in denial or largely unaware of what their child viewed online. The parents of teenage girls in particular are most likely to be unaware that their children were watching pornography. And this is stuff, particularly if you're a parent, that you should know about. And the Bob Pritchard newsletter delivers the latest in business stories. And we deliver it up to two or three months before it's picked up by traditional news outlets. We're always hearing a story on the news that that we had reported two or three months earlier. So the one information source that you can trust for the latest up-to-date business information is the Bob Pritchard Daily Business Newsletter. And to receive it, all you have to do is go to my website, which is bobpritchard.com and subscribe. And every week after this radio show, we get more subscribers. So if you're out there and you want to get more knowledge about what's happening in the world of business, go on to bobpritchard.com and enroll for my newsletter. Now, this is great news for people who are like me. The price of Bitcoin rose above $10,000 level today. That's up 40% for the year, and it's only the 11th of February. Despite outperforming every other investment this year to date, people still remain sceptical of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency in general. I must admit, I cannot work out why that is so. Over the past four to five years, I've been promoting Bitcoin as an investment on this radio show and in my newsletter. You know, this time, this seems hard to believe, but this time four years ago, Bitcoin was just $384. And now it's 10000 How else could you have done that? No other way. And many people think that the opportunity to get in on the ground floor has passed. But I'm absolutely convinced that even at $10,000 a coin, Bitcoin represents an investment like no other. And you don't have to buy a whole Bitcoin. You know, a lot of people think, oh, geez, I haven't got 10 grand to buy a Bitcoin. You can buy a tenth of a Bitcoin if you want. You can buy a hundredth of a Bitcoin if you want. So I suggest you put a few bobs, a few dollars aside every week and um, invest in some Bitcoin. Now, there are over two and a half thousand cryptos. So apart from Bitcoin, you need to choose very carefully because the overwhelming majority of these will fail. For those of you who can remember back to the dot-com era, 
the stocks that failed after the 2000 bust. But like the first internet boom, the cryptos that succeed will become the next, the Amazons, Googles and Facebooks. They will be worth a bunch of money. And in May this year, the supply of newly minted Bitcoin is set to fall by 50%. It's a simple case of supply and demand. Supply is going down, while at the same time, more and more people are considering buying Bitcoin. So the price can only go one way, up. When Bitcoin was born 10 years ago, it allowed you to transfer value to somebody else without a central party sitting in the middle and knowing all your business. The entire financial services industry exists solely to facilitate trust between two or more unknown parties. You know, you've got your health details to a government database to get medical treatment. You've got to give your personal details to Facebook to be in on social media. You've got to allow Google access to your, to your information to utilise their free search function. And all these databases are a magnet for hackers. Have a think about the data breaches last year. Xenia, 219 million personal records were hacked. Dub smashed 161 million. Capital One, 100 million. These are personal records hacked. Now, they're your personal details that are now in the hands of the bad guys, criminals. Then there's the hidden risks, such as governments using your data against you. And right now, in some countries, these things are happening. They're using your data to spy on you, everything you do. So that's the real value proposition behind cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is nothing less than a necessary first act of security and self-sovereignty. If you're using Bitcoin, nobody knows what you're doing with it, who you're sending it to or who you're paying. It is your business, not the government's or any other big institution. Now, my guest today is John Petricelli from Bulldog DM. And John's been on the forefront of streaming video for nearly two decades. He's been instrumental in helping media companies and brands like Netflix, Apple, Coca-Cola, NFL, NBA, NHL, music icon Prince. You get the picture. He's got all of the big guys. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with John in just a moment. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. 
Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, this is the part of the show where we talk to extraordinary people. You know, people that have had great success and are making a difference out there. The reason we love to talk to these people is that because today... 98 or 99% of all businesses fail. And uh, the people I interview have cracked the code. They found the secrets to success. And uh, we want to share those secrets with as many people as possible. My aim in these interviews is to find out what the characteristics are that make these people successful. See what we can learn from them. And underneath it all, find out what drives them, what it is that makes them tick. My guest today is John Petricelli from Bulldog DM, who've been in the forefront of streaming video for nearly two decades, with a market-leading expertise in the live streaming of premium content experiences. Now, as all of you know, streaming is hot right now. It's a... um, the last couple of years, it's really, it's probably mentioned more than almost anything else in business and marketing. Now, John's got a very deep and vast knowledge of the digital distribution of premium video content and the video ecosystem, and he's instrumental in helping media companies establish optimum, optimal strategies to secure, distribute, and monetize their content. Now, his clients include... Netflix, Apple, Coca-Cola, NFL, NBA, NHL, music icon Prince, you know, all the big guys. John worked extensively with Prince, helping him launch the first artist-owned and operated digital music store and direct a fan ticketing platform, which won the 2004 Billboard Award for Best Use of Technology by an Artist and later garnered Prince a Webby Award in 2006 and a Webby Lifetime Achievement Award. 
John helped marry Prince's artistic vision and translate it to evolving digital platforms. Well, that's all about that's that's John's background. John, welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. You are being heard all around the world. Bob, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. That's a pretty good, um, pretty good history. Thank you. It's been it's been uh, it's definitely been fascinating and interesting, and I can certainly say I've learned quite a bit along the way. How did you start in in streaming? What did you do before? I had, uh, I, I'd worked in uh, technology in uh, in Boston, and I got into telecommunications there. And I decided I want to learn about the kind of the crossing points of entertainment and technology, and relocated to LA. And I started to work inside of the agency business, kind of learn how. TV shows and music tours and movies are made and packaged and produced. And I started to see that a lot of the folks in that world were starting to pay a lot of attention to the internet and technology where I had already been. And streaming seemed to be the kind of the jumping off point for both of those two emerging worlds. Sure. And because I kind of knew some of the pain points that uh, having worked in entertainment, what people in entertainment were going through with disruption, and I was able to kind of talk their language and, and, and kind of move them into that world, which got me in the business with the networks, the record labels, and, and some artists. And that market, that's been a 20 plus year history, and that market has evolved at, you know, quickly given the proliferation of devices and social media platforms and uh, I've been fortunate to kind of been along for that interesting ride. So how do you stay at the cutting edge of it? I mean it's all evolving so quickly. Um, how do you stay in front of competition? There's a fair bit of competition out there, isn't there? Yeah, there sure is and I think that's a great question and I think you have to be realistic that um, no day is going to be the same. There's so much um, development happening and there's so much uh, you know uh, innovation happening you're never going to be able to have a full comprehension of what's happening or, or you know where things are going which is also kind of the interesting part of that of that world I obviously have to or anybody in the space has to have a thirst for knowledge and do quite a bit of research and obviously attending things like South by Southwest and CES sure. help keep up to speed and uh, you know, for me, it was kind of uh, the, the benefit of uh, being in LA. You, you, there's so much uh, in the uh, to do in terms of events, and I was able to get into business with an artist like Prince. Um, you know, purely from a technical perspective, but working with him, I was also able to see a lot of his performances, and it dawned on me that eventually these really compelling performances would be able to would be able to be shared uh, through streaming at some point yeah. in our in our, <laughs> our evolution and it really opened my eyes to the live experience and how to amplify and potentially grow the audience that's outside the room and i was sitting on the board of a live streaming company that had been asking me to come in as the CEO, and when I started working with Prince, I realized there's something to the live uh, experience economy. So I took over that company, and very quickly that business was acquired by AEG, who, as you know, is the world's largest sure. presenter of live music and live sports. And so I learned even more there. And prior to the acquisition and through it, I had started a conversation with YouTube. And I said to YouTube, you know, live 
streaming is going to be an important part of your business. One is uh, you'll be able to drive a highly connected audience to these shows, concerts, and performances. But then two post-events, you'll be able to expose the audience to all those assets on the platform. And the planets aligned, and we did a Alicia Keys concert on YouTube brought to the viewer by American Express from right. an AEG venue. And the results spoke for themselves. YouTube came back to me and said, we had a very happy artist, we had very happy fans, and a very happy brand. We want to be in that business. We're a VOD company, we don't really do live. So we struck an agreement and we powered everything on the YouTube platform. Uh, Coachella, Bonnaroo, Rock and Rio, Lollapalooza, the Royal Wedding, you have product launches for brands movie premieres for studios and 10 pole events like Oracle Open World. And that's where I realized where this market was heading, was that kind of blend of the Prince experience, AEG being in the event business, and then YouTube being this kind of showcase for all this live content. It kind of dawned on me, this is a potentially vastly growing market. How did you get to meet Prince? How did that come about? Uh, I uh, Back in the old days of the internet, there was something called the Format Wars. So you had, if you recall, Windows Media from Microsoft yep. competing with Reels, Real Player, and Apple had a format called QuickTime. Yep. And I worked for a content delivery network, which is the kind of the engine that delivers that video. And we serviced all three of those formats. Right. So I worked not only with my customers, but also with Microsoft, Real, and Apple. And someone from Apple had called me and said, uh, we have an artist that wants to do streaming directly to the fan, wants to do it themselves. Would you be interested in speaking to them or to, to the artist? And I said, sure, who's <laughs> the artist? And they said it was his prints. And my business back then, primarily in addition to streaming, was around anti-piracy, uh, security, uh, content, yep. uh, you know, thing called digital rights management, which is really uh, you know, DRM when you package the file. Very complex, hard thing to explain to anybody, even people in technology, but more so even to an artist. Sure. So I took a file of Purple Rain from a uh, Napster type network and I encrypted it, or I had an engineer encrypt it, and I sent it over to Prince's team. And it was really interesting. In the middle of the night, I got it, you know, so the file, when you went to play it, it said you have to be authorized, i.e. pay 99 cents. To right. <laughs> if you're not authorized, it won't play. <laughs> and I got this email in the middle of the night, which is when I realized that's when Prince operated. And it said, you know, Prince says in quotations, this is exactly what I spelled E-Y-E wants to do in the letter two, right. uh, which is how he communicates. And soon at, thereafter, uh, we had come to an agreement. We built his, uh, his storefront or the back engine and launched his music service. And he filled that with video, audio, full-length records, uh, EPs, tracks, songs. And shortly thereafter, he said, I also want to, I'm also going to go on tour and I want to take the best seats, uh, two, three, four thousand seats and sell them or provide them to members of my, my music club. So right. we had to quickly then build and scale a platform that would allow him to do that. And that was beyond successful. And that was also the same time that he had bundled the new record into the ticket price. So when you bought your ticket, uh, it recorded as a, you were given a CD when you entered the venue and he kind of changed the way SoundScan and Billboard had tracked 
uh, sales. So the record debuted at number one, the tour was a massive success, and he delivered a lot of the content that he wanted to deliver on his own terms. So it was a pretty fun, pretty eye-opening, amazing experience given what he was capable of. And a lot of his visions, the internet hadn't quite caught up to. This is a lot of it was primarily downloading, you know, back in the early 2000s or mid-2000s. But he was very forward-thinking and where things would go. In fact, he was just ahead of where technology was at the time. It all seemed, it's only, what, 15 years ago, 18 years ago or something, but it all seems so, so long ago now when you look at, at um, technology development. It's amazing. Yeah, uh, it's, it does, especially with innovation. You know, there's new platforms now, like things like TikTok, that weren't even around, you know, two or three years ago. Yeah, TikTok, TikTok's very interesting, actually. I'm not sure whether I love it or hate it, and I'm not sure whether it's good for the industry or bad for the industry, but it's certainly successful. <laughs> yeah, it's um, the jury's still out. It's you know, it's very new, but uh, if you're a, a Gen Z uh, in that demographic, you're on that platform, and you're definitely just yeah. So how, from back in those days, back back twenty years ago, um, how's the live streaming marketplace evolved? What are the, where did it start? Where is it now? And what are all the brand new tricks that are that are happening? Well, there's been some interesting, you know, overall developments that have pushed now live streaming is top of mind. In, you know, the, a very popular marketplace, you know, industry. Mm. A lot of that has been fueled by the growth of the millennial demographic, who really kind of prioritize experiences more than anything. These are you know, sure. want to be at events, and if they can't physically be there, they want to have a shared kind of collaborative, participatory experience. I mean, you even look at a company like Live Nation has had, I think, seven or now eight years of year-over-year record-breaking growth. And in parallel, uh, the you know devices have flooded the market that can play video. Obviously, the smartphone has become the device now that nearly everyone owns. And the other kind of dynamic there is that the social media platforms have now prioritized live video. The first was YouTube. You know, this is they're now into many years of offering a, a complete solution or what's called a stack on the YouTube platform. Yep. Uh, Twitter purchasing Periscope. Now Twitter has prioritized live video where you can actually have a conversation and you know tweet around what you're watching. Uh, same with Facebook, who I think reports live videos watched three times longer than non-live and you get something like six times the level of interaction. And then, you know, Amazon's nearly $1 billion purchase of Twitch, you know, that platform has just skyrocketed in popularity. And even now, Instagram, I think 100 million people a day watch or create live video on Instagram. And then the latest entrant has been uh, LinkedIn. Yeah. It was reporting seven times, the I think, the watch duration and 24 times the level of comments and interactions, even though it's a you know new piece or new feature of that platform. So those kind of dynamics, uh, you know, the millennial Gen Z prioritization of uh, experiences, devices, and social have all kind of elevated and lifted. And, you know, for us kind of being in that, in that world for so long, uh, we've built a nice reputation. It's allowed us to garner some of those clients that you, that you mentioned. Sure. What, how does AR and VR fit into all of this? Uh, a lot of that, that's been a hot topic, especially VR, which is 
gotten a little, uh, I would say, stagnant due to device penetration not quite getting to what the market wanted. Uh, the general theory now is with 5G, when 5G does become ubiquitous or has a lot of adoption, that's when those services are going to take off. So largely do the fact that you're going to reduce latency and you're going to increase you know, performance, which makes things like uh, augmented reality very possible. We actually did a, a live, the first live AR experience back in July with the, uh, it was the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 space launch yep. at the JFK Memorial Library uh, in Boston. So they built this kind of unique experience in AR and we, and we had a live uh, Twitch experts doing the countdown and some real interesting footage from the, from the library. But uh, we started, we're starting to see more of that types of requests uh, come in. But I think that market is definitely posed to take off and accelerate. I think 5G will definitely help. And obviously, you know, more devices that can play back that video, hitting the market will move that forward as well. I think a lot of people are confused with where um, 5G is. I mean, if you watch um, Verizon ads, it's here and it's all over the place and they've got everything connected already. But that's not that's not the reality, is it? Where, where are we really at with 5G? Mm, um, you don't know either, right? <laughs> no, I, uh, no, I think there's a lot of confusion about what the, I've heard. It's you know three to five years away. Yeah, that's um, what I've heard too. Companies like Verizon, they can spin up, uh, call it a pop-up, you know, network, and they can build infrastructure at. I think AT&T did it this weekend at the uh, Super Bowl, for instance. Right. Yeah, so that's what I was great. thinking of. Yeah, it's got a lot of promise, but I think it's uh, some time before it becomes something that's going to be widely uh, available. How will that have, how will that change your business? Uh, it'll change it uh, significantly. Uh, you know, a lot of um, the challenge, especially in things like esports or sports in general, is the, you know the the concept of latency where you, you, you might be streaming something that's 30 to 40 seconds after it's actually occurred at a match or a game of some sort. Yeah. That latency window is going to be completely collapsed sure. with the advent of 5G. So it'll make that world even more intriguing and more interesting. Obviously, the closer you can get to real time, you know, the better it is for everybody. So that'll be a big... Um, big lift in the space. Obviously, video will become very easy to, to play on nearly any device. So my industry is poised for a lot of growth and a lot of success. You know, a lot of the challenge in what we do is we go to a live experience for a client. What is the internet capacity at that venue? Yes. So we have to work with a brand like Hyundai who's going to release a, a vehicle at the New York or LA Auto Show and they want to place it across Hyundai.com, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. We need adequate bandwidth that allows us to do that. So a lot of times that doesn't exist in certain facilities. Yep. So we have to provision it and bring it. So there's a cost uh, to do that. And you know, as innovation evolves, we won't have to do that. It'll be very easy to, to bring that to life. So you work with a, a lot of brands. How is Madison Avenue and the rest of the ad world approaching live streaming? Are they really enthusiastic about it or are they slow to um, integrate it into their marketing or 
What's the situation? Well, we've been speaking to Madison Ave, you know, for years now, and largely we've noticed that um, how can we help them with, you know, how can we help them address these kind of three significant challenges that they're having as marketers? Yeah. You know, the first is cord cutting, which is significant. Um, you know, yep. it's being widely adopted by nearly everybody now, especially gen, uh, millennial and Gen Z consumers. Sure. Big problem there. Um, you know, people aren't watching Law & Order on Thursday night and sitting through the State Farm ad on, on NBC. You know, they're either at events or, you know, they want to be, they want to tune in collaboratively and watch. So live video helps address that, right? There's uh, it's a branded experience. It's brought to you by American Express or AT&T. You're engaged with the content and the brand is part of, of the offering. And the other two challenges have been ad blockers. So a lot of that existing ad inventory is not even making it to consumers on smartphones. Yep. And then also the challenge of brand safety, you know, putting an advertisement on a platform next to dubious, nefarious, you know, dangerous content. And for Madison Ave, our conversations have evolved to a place where they're starting to understand that a branded live experience addresses all three of those challenges. And the end result, if this is executed properly, is the holy grail, which is engagement slash watch time. So live content is now watched significantly longer than on-demand content or any other form of of advertising. So it becomes a big opportunity for advertisers to engage with a viewer and have them captivated for, you know, significant chunks of time. And they also get some pretty good data back as well, where people are, how long they're watching, what devices they're on, and who's on iOS versus Android. Significant opportunity, we believe, at a fraction of traditional media, traditional television commercials. Where do you see the um – there seems to be a trend at the moment that you can um, – streaming's going to cost you $5.50, but if you want no ads, it's going to cost you $8.50. So that's like an ad blocker, but you're paying for it. Um, where do you see that going? Do you think most people will opt in for the extra few bucks to cut out all ads? You know, I, I think that um, most people will, but you're going to have subscription fatigue at some point, and people aren't going to have, you know, 18 or 22 subscriptions. I've read that eventually there will be, you know, 10 bona fide significant players like Netflix, Apple, Disney, sure. uh, Peacock, etc. And then even the thinking is that'll track down to five that will have a lot of success. And the idea is, can I, if I'm Disney or if I'm Peacock or, or Amazon, can I be one of those five? And a lot of them have pretty deep pockets and the financing and the funding to do that. Uh, some don't, I don't think they're gonna last uh, too long, but I also believe it opens up a pretty big opportunity for uh, you know an AVOD, uh, an ad-based, sponsor-based you know content offering. It was Viacom that just bought you know Pluto TV, for example. Yeah, I think that becomes uh, an opportunity. You know, I think at, at the end of the day, the the uh, streaming world is likely to very much go the way of Spotify, where you have an ad-supported offering and you have a premium offering, and 
which is a great strategy, it turns out, because a lot of people will start on Spotify with ads and they'll get yeah. fatigued or they'll get annoyed by the number of ads and say, hey, I'm happy to off, you know, go to the, the minimum subscription level. Yeah, it's a great idea. And, you know, yeah, and then you also, you figure uh, the young, you know, a person who's 22 can start off at a subscription, at an ad-based model and eventually over time determine if they want to allocate their discretionary income to go into a subscription offering. Yeah, the research that I've seen says that the sort of average American will probably take three subscriptions, uh, streaming subscriptions, and um, that'll be it. And so um, it'll get very competitive <laughs> a bit down the line. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a safe number. I think that's for, for an average consumer. I think it's going to point and head to that direction. Obviously, if you look at the decline of DirecTV recently, the numbers are pretty staggering. People dropping off that platform given it's one to two hundred dollars yeah it's ridiculous you know right right. four or five uh you know a la carte type offerings and for you know half of that price uh but the consumer wins right all this uh competition currently you know you know you're seeing companies like apple and disney and amazon and netflix investing significant amounts of uh of money into into content but eventually it's going to have to um contract into a smaller uh, smaller offering to I think to be viable so what's the most popular form of streaming content for example for music um, when you're when you're streaming is somebody going to sit there and watch um, an hour and a quarter concert or are they looking for quibby type 10 minute clips? Or is it a mixture? Well, uh, yeah, live content is, um, our position is that it has to be executed, quote unquote, in the right way. Um, so I've seen performances where it's been Lady Gaga and Drake and, you know, all these uh, multi-platinum artists. And people are going to tune in, their fans are going to tune in to want to see an artist like them or Kendrick Lamar or uh, Katy Perry or Miley Cyrus, somebody that's that yep. sure. Yep. But we found there's a couple of key ways to offer a best practice you know, service that one attracts those viewers, but also extends you know, the watch time. So there's a couple of things we've learned along the way. One is the video player. That video player has to load in the first three seconds or we lose 20% of the audience. Lose meaning they're just not gonna tune in and watch and they're gone. Wow. Broadcast. Okay. So we found technology out there that's immediately fast loading and adapts to uh, the device to consumers watching. Second is the quality of the video. Uh, you know, people don't really want to watch video that's coming from someone's mobile handset. Sure. There's interest in a three, five, six camera HD production that represents the experience. It's kind of the opposite of uh, watching Call of Duty on on Twitch. Yeah. You want to see the experience and really care about the quality. Yeah. If it's an artist like uh, Jack White, you want to hear the audio is very important as well as, well as video and then having done a lot of this business especially on the YouTube platform people want to collaborate and they want to talk post tweet and comment and share about you know and discuss what they're watching with their friends and their and their viewers 
we found that a lot of times the comments can be off topic, offensive, and not related to the video. And people tend to pull away from that quote social stream. Sure. Sometimes pull away from the experience. So we found tools that would one, aggregate the conversation, but two, more importantly, curate it. So now the social stream is completely related to the video. It's not hyper scroll. So you turn on a lot of those features and you have a, a pretty, what we're, what we're endeavoring to do is transform the viewer into a participant. And we can also turn on things like a polling widget or trivia or even a photo wall. Sure. Uh, in things like a, a music festival, we can show the schedule, who's performing on what stage, on what channel, and on what time. And we allow the viewer can go in and look at the entire lineup and enter in their mobile member and get an SMS push notification that says, hey, hey Bob, uh, the band that you like, Coldplay, their set's coming on in, in a minute here. Here's the link to the actual video. We've done this where a festival for Coca-Cola in, uh, in Mexico, the largest rock festival, had been around, I think, 23 years. Turning on those features, Coke saw an average watch time on mobile of 29 minutes and on desktop, 113 minutes. Wow. So for a brand like that who's saying, eh, it's hard for me to get someone's attention for six seconds, here they have That's right. a, a highly engaged audience. And we also were able to report back to them on some, you know, we're, again, uh, the profile of iOS versus Android, what artist was watched longer, what was the conversation, the social stream. Tremendous data that they normally wouldn't be able to get um, in, their, in their ongoing advertising. So live music, live streaming and brands, they're all converging in this space. Are we looking to more product placement and more overall sponsorship of a live streaming event by a brand or is there something else happening there? Because it seems to me like the, the only guys that win in that situation are, are the Coca-Colas of this world who can afford to be in the mix. I think live video offers opportunities for brands of, of all sizes. And, you know, there's... Um You've seen big checks written for things like NFL games on platforms like Yahoo and, and Amazon. You know, maybe it's uh, you know, twenty million dollars. Yep. And yeah, you know, that prices out many brands. They can't obviously play uh, at that level. Um, live experiences, for instance, music has um, popularity outside of say North America. It's got popularity with male, female, younger, older viewers. We think there's a massive opportunity in music and today's you know music is i think 87 percent of people under the age of 40 listed as their passion or their priority there's big opportunity there um, for brands to partner with artists that can connect with those demos sure and now you've also got music artists who are very much engaged in social media and their live performance given they make a majority of their money from touring and things like merchandise that results from touring. And these, a lot of these artists are very savvy. They've built up their social media followings. So there's big opportunity there. You don't have to hire Jay-Z, Coldplay, or Madonna, but you can find, we've done experiences of brands like um, Taco Bell with uh, the band Passion Pit at South by Southwest. Highly engaged audience tune in and, and watch time. And also artists, this, this is an opportunity for them to say, you know, they can send the stream to their social channel as well and invite their fans to watch and engage. And brands are also, brands of all sizes are putting a lot of money into experiential marketing. And it could be um, 
a lifestyle brand, a consumer good brand, or an alcohol brand. Very easy uh, for us and you know, people in my industry to partner with those brands and amplify that experience right. and live stream it out. To, to give an example, I think Hyundai is a great example. When they were going to these auto shows, they were offering their newest models purely to the automotive press that was at the New York or the LA auto show. Mm -hmm. And they had this idea, a lot of the features that we're building are things like Bluetooth or digital uh, key sharing between a parent and their uh, child, innovation inside of, of the car. Um, a, lot of, a lot of their vehicles now are eco-friendly. And they realize that this presentation that we're making could be shared with our existing uh, install of Hyundai owners, but also enthusiasts or people that might be interested or consumers in general. So today we're working with them. We amplify these these shows, and they're already you know they're paid for. They're they're there. They're already you know have an experiential budget. We just come on and layer on a media strategy that takes that experience in real time and puts it onto YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram as well as Hyundai.com. Yeah, that's a, a business that any brand I think can participate in. That's a great way to reach customers. Okay, we're just about out of time, but let me ask you one last question. I'm interested in streaming in one way or another. I've got a show that I want to stream. Why should I go to Bulldog DM? Apart from the fact that you're brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, well, we've, I think, been at this uh, the longest, and I think that speaks to a lot of understanding around what to do and what not to do. I think we have a good expertise and a good handle on how to match and marry whether you're a business like AT&T with you know, hundreds of thousands of employees or you're a, you're a small company. How do we help you take that experience and get you into uh, the live streaming universe? And, you know, we're cognizant that not everyone has a budget that American Express would have. Second, uh, you want to fish where the fish are, and I, I think we have a market-leading expertise in history on how to enable live video on all of the social platforms. So we're a certified partner of YouTube. We work with Twitter, I think, two or three times a month. With Instagram, we've actually uh, built a capability that allows us to take a produced video feed and live stream that on Instagram. Instagram's default is you can only live stream from a camera phone. So we can take a produced feed and render it onto that platform. And we've also serviced uh, Facebook Watch for all of their live content. So we understand that world very, very well. And then conversely, someone might say to us, I want to I want to own and operate my live experience on my own web property. So we also build things like microsites. We can pop that onto anyone's particular web domain. The and of course, if all else fails, you say, well, who did Prince and AEG select? That's got to be a pretty good selling tool. Uh, it is, especially in the, uh, definitely in the music business. Uh, that clearly helps. A lot of music artists want to do whatever uh, Prince has done. In fact, uh, the past year we've worked with uh, Kanye West for his uh, Sunday service live streams. I think eight or nine different live shows there. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, uh, AT and T is becoming a media company in addition to being a telecommunications provider. So this is this is very important to them. So yeah, having those uh, those clients definitely. Uh, help validate what we're trying to advance. But eventually we want everybody to do, to get into live video and ideally uh, adopt some best practices and have some success where it becomes a part of their, their media offering. 
John Petrocelli. Thank you very much for speaking with me on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Now, you can learn more about John at bulldogdm.com. I'll be back with more of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Network after this short break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to Bob at BobPritchard.com. That's Bob at BobPritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 433rd Bob Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show. We're coming to you on Voice America Business Network, and we're broadcasting from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in Hollywood, California, where just the other day we had the Academy Awards. I had a bit surprised by a couple of the results, but um, I thought it was a great show. Thoroughly enjoyed it. And I haven't had the opportunity to see Parasite yet, but it's obviously a really good movie. And uh, if I don't get along to the theatre, I guess it'll come to an aeroplane near me very shortly. Now, this information probably won't surprise you, but 99% of parents are in denial of what their children watch online. Think about it. Do you know what your kids watch online? You know, we know that kids are spending four to six hours a day online one way or another, either on their phone or on a, a, a pad or whatever at home. Do you know what they're watching? You probably don't. And uh, if they hover over to have a look and see what you're watching, they've probably changed to something very innocent just for your benefit. Now, a new study has concluded that parents are absolutely oblivious to the extent their children are watching, wait for it, pornography. The study shows adult material has become a normalised part 
of 13 to 17 year olds viewing. So porn has become a normalized part of 13 to 17 year olds viewing. Now I bet if you're a mum or a dad, you didn't know that. And this is not somebody else's kid. This is probably your kid. And the study concluded that parents of up to 17-year-olds were either in denial or largely unaware of what their child viewed online. And this doesn't surprise me. The parents of teenage girls are most likely to be unaware that their children were watching pornography. Not my little 13-year-old Julie. She wouldn't do that. Well, guess what? If she's one of 75% of kids up to 17, 18-year-old, she is watching pornography. And while 75% of parents do not believe under any circumstances that their child would have watched pornography, those children told the researchers that they had. Viewing pornography has been normalised among children of both sexes from about 14 onwards. So viewing pornography is normal for kids from 14 up, males and females. That's pretty scary, really. I don't know how old I was before I saw any pornography, but I was a hell of a lot older than 13, I'm sure. Um, and in my day, of course, there was no internet, so you had to get a stray copy of Playboy. <laughs> it seems so long. Well, I guess it was so long ago. Now, this study involving teenagers and their parents found that teenagers are turning to pornography as an educational tool because schools do not tell them what to do in early sexual encounters. So... Schools instead focus on issues such as contraception. But I guess knowing about contraception is not much use if you don't know how the, what the hell to do to get there. <laughs> I think that's quite funny, actually. I'm sure my wife is sitting opposite me and I'm sure she doesn't think it's at all amusing. Most children had viewed pornography that, that they found disturbing or overly aggressive. <laughs> saying that they believed it influenced how they behaved in sexual, sexual encounters and influenced their concerns about body image. You know, I can understand how, you know, watching pornography, I mean, people who become porn stars are always fabulously built and fabulously endowed, which probably would give most people an inferiority complex. Viewing pornography has been normalised from the mid-teens onwards, listen to this, mainly on networks such as Snapchat and WhatsApp rather than dedicated pornography sites. So pornography has been normalised mainly on networks such as Snapchat and WhatsApp rather than dedicated pornography sites. So what are you doing, Julie? I'm just on WhatsApp or I'm just on Snapchat. It wouldn't occur to you that that had anything whatsoever to do with pornography. Now, this study, which combined a statistically representative survey of secondary school-aged children with in-depth interviews and focus groups with parents, 
found that adult material was a prominent feature in childhood. Almost half of teenagers, 15 to 17, said they had recently seen pornography, with the researchers believing that this figure is substantially lower than the true figure because of respondents' awkwardness when faced with the question. So you ask the people, kids the question straight out, they're embarrassed, so they say no, when really they mean yes. So half of the teenagers admit to it, and there's probably a good percentage that don't. One side effect of early exposure to online pornography is that gay, lesbian and bisexual respondents often understood their sexuality at a young age. So it's common for these respondents to start by watching heterosexual pornography only to realise that they didn't find this sexually gratifying and then they moved to homosexual pornography. So it's pretty sad when people are getting their sexual education from pornography. What's wrong with schools? What's wrong with parents? I guess most parents particularly older parents, want to deny that their kids might be gay. I, for one, wouldn't give a damn, but a lot of people are concerned. So while teenage reported concerns about body image as a result of watching pornography, many young people felt that the way they viewed their overall body image was more likely the result of the kinds of body image that they saw on things like Instagram. But there sure is a hell of a lot of pressure on teenagers today that didn't exist in the period before the days of social media, which is not that long ago. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space. Hop out of the way and let somebody who wants to succeed, somebody who's aggressive, somebody who's dedicated to succeed, get past you. Don't try to hinder them. You know, it's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. Anybody can do the ordinary. Walk down the street, there's millions of them, all ordinary. And if you're always trying to be normal, you'll always be boring. Do you want to be the person they say, oh, don't talk to him, he's boring as batshit. No, you don't. You want to be amazing, interesting, so people want to talk to you and people want to be associated with you. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternatives to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard, broadcasting from Hollywood, California, the entertainment and technology capital of the world. And I thank you very much for listening. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.